Cotney Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. Welcome to another episode of Law and Mortar. I'm Trent Cotney, CEO of Cotney Attorneys and Consultants, and uh, with me, as always, is John Kenny. John is CEO of our consulting group. Takes part in a lot of our different operations throughout our companies. John, how are you doing today? Oh, doing great. How has hope everybody else is doing good out there winding down? How about you? Yeah, doing good. Glad it's Friday. Looking forward to uh, hopefully a long, uh, enjoyable weekend. So, had some big things happen this week, John. I got to tell you, the biggest of all was the fact that uh, you were pretty much the uh, the headliner for the state of the industry uh, that uh, Roofing Contractor Magazine put on. Uh, I know they had hundreds of people attend that. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you did and some of the highlights? Yeah, no, it was a good webinar. So what it was, it was a st- st- stats went out as a survey to the industry towards the end of last year, kind of where they felt the industry was going to be going, broken down into different segments and sectors and get feedback from them. So we had all those results to go over. And then in between the presentation of that, got a chance to put in there the live feelings, what we're seeing going on in the industry. And then the best part about it was we had the live polls that went on. And, you know, with those live polls, you know, that's today. So people made this projection probably three, four months ago now, or I think it was the end of November when maybe it was done. And now you're getting a kind of a live update with, you know, hundreds of people on there. And, and it wasn't that far off. And, you know, I, I got to agree with where it's at. Everybody's fairly optimistic. Um, I am myself, but we never do know. So I, I don't, no one's overly optimistic, which I think is a, is the way to be. We're not going to take off leaps and bounds, but I think after 2020, uh, there's a good chance that any sort of a year with business is going to be better than what we had for sure. So I agree with that. Talked about the different uh, types of roofing that's leading out there. And of course, it's single ply and metal were the two most uh, replied answers uh, for commercial type work. Um, on residential, metal was up there as well. And then of course, you know, the, the asphalt shingles were, were up there. That's the main thing. And then it broke down from coatings under both groups, whether it was uh, commercial or and residential, broke down into coatings and um, uh, single plies on residential too, which I got to say that was, uh, that was a little bit of a surprise on my end that that was as high. So I'm kind of thinking, I don't have, I got to deep dive into that a little bit, but I think that might've been more where they consider residential on the multi-family, like apartment dwellings and so forth. I think that's where that falls in. Right, all right, well. You know, there's a lot of great information in there. Um, you know, I, I really personally, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a good glimpse into kind of what we can expect for 2021. And I agree with you, everybody that I'll talk to, I think, you know, construction is going to continue to remain strong. Obviously, the, you know, there are some concerns out there, but I, I think ultimately, um, you know, hopefully I, I think at least roofing and construction will remain, um, you know, pretty much where it is now uh, through the rest of 2021. Um, some interesting things though, that caused me to kind of question that. And that is, is, you know, John, as you know, we're a data-driven company, all aspects of all of our companies. And for the last couple of years, uh, we have been really paying attention to the cases and the lawsuits that we file or the arbitrations that we, we have, uh, specifically as it relates to roofing. And we use our, our statistician to kind of go through and identify certain key indicators, okay? And it's things like, you know, geographic area, type of roofing system, manufacturer, all this different kind of stuff 
And every Monday I get a report on that that kind of helps me figure out, you know, where are we, what, what are the trends? And then based on that, it allows us, you know, both John and I to really be proactive and kind of get out in front of whatever the particular issues are. So for the last few months, we've seen a marked increase in delay claims. That shouldn't surprise anybody as a result of COVID-19. We're tracking roughly about 39, 40% year over year increase, okay? I expect that to continue to happen, okay? And that means, what that means is you've got some form of delay claim, either a positive claim or a roofing contractor is, is seeking money for a delay, or you've got a defense that a roofing contractor has asserted uh, saying, we were, uh, you know, delayed on this job because of COVID-19, okay? Um, what has concerned me, John, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, is as I started looking at the data uh, on Monday, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that there is an increased tendency from owners to, um, towards the tail end of projects, to start coming up with, you know, either workmanship claims or, um, construction defect type claims, uh, not necessarily pinpointed at manufacturers, but I'm starting to see a rise in this. If I had to guess, I would think that the reason that you're starting to see this is because there might be some money drying up out there. Now, from what I could tell, it's primarily private projects. It's not, this isn't government work. Um, and it appeared to be, uh, you know, multifamily, like commercial um, but I saw enough of a blip there to say, hmm, this might be an indicator. And what, here's what concerns me, John, is I saw the same thing in 2009, okay, and the same type of claims. And these aren't, these aren't saying, you know, hey, this whole system is wrong. It's the nitpicky stuff that they're using to try to justify not paying. So in your experience, have you heard anything out there on this? And what do you think about that? Yeah, I have uh, did a little deep diving more into it, but uh, yeah, just as a general overview, it's, it's almost like there's some sort of a, it's a funny you brought it back to that time period. There is like a hidden bubble out there. Not quite sure what it is yet. Um, things are rolling along, but there, there's some very off-centered blips every once in a while that kind of take you back to, you know, are, are, you know, are we overinflated type of deal where we're heading? You just don't know. But drilling down on what you said with the data, yeah, another thing that's popping up out there, and this is definitely for your commercial contractors I'm seeing, is at the end of the job, they're going back and they're saying, well, you know, you have this job's not done according to specifications and plans. And I just had a conversation with a contractor last week about that. And they said, yes, but we have approved submittal. So, okay, you, you figure you should be fairly well covered with one exception that's what we got to so we got to talk about this a little bit so what's happening is if you are putting submittals in and they are not exactly to plans and specs which happens a lot you use value engineering or you make a change you have to make sure when you submit these submittals in that you're noting that on your submittals that this is a, an alternate uh equal to what's in the specifications now that sounds very simple and it, and it may sound like why am i going to do that because I mean, I know I'll kick this back on the law side, but the way I was always taught in the industry is plans, specs override plans, except when the plan note is more stringent than what's in the specification and submittals is not an out to get you out of meeting either one of those. So even with the greatest intentions on submittals, you can get yourself in trouble. Normally you don't see that too much, but trending, jumping on what you just said, that I'm starting to see that rumbling 
where people are approving submittals, there's no liability on them for doing that in comparison to the contractor because no one actually puts approved anymore, they put reviewed. And that's that's another, where I'm seeing more and more of that. That's probably an uptick of 30% of the end of the job claims I'm seeing right now. Yeah, and that's the that's a good point. You know, it's, it's if you read that architect stamp, uh, it never says, you know, approved for conformance. It's all, it just says reviewed and you can't necessarily rely on that. So, you know, the first thing that I, I want the listeners to understand is when you get your contract, you need to look for what's known as an order of precedence clause. And, you know, the, it's commonly referred to as who's on first, right? So normally it'll say, you know, the contract documents consist of this agreement, the prime contract, the plans, the specs, project manual. And it'll say in the event of an ambiguity or, you know, if, if something doesn't make sense, this is the order that you look at, right? And you want to look at that very closely because depending on where the plans and the specs line up there, there may be plan notes that take precedence over specs or vice versa. Okay. The other thing that I'd really recommend to you is remember the party with the best paper wins the day. So if you're in a situation where you've got an architect that's trying to slide by with a stamp and this says reviewed, it doesn't hurt to follow up with an email saying, hey, I submitted these, these um, you know, uh, uh, markups, these shop drawings for your approval. You said reviewed. My understanding and reading the specs is X, Y, Z. Can you confirm this? You know, don't, don't be afraid to submit it as an RFI, you know. And the key there is, is that you want that paper trail. You want that pay, especially if it's something dicey, right? You know, you want to make sure that you've got that kind of documentation because at the end of the day, that's going to be what's going to protect you. So, John, as always, we end with a question. Okay. And this is a good one. You know, we've got a backlog of 28 questions right now. So I can only do one at a time. But this one is from Greg. And Greg has a question for you, and he wants to know, he's getting ready to start his own roofing company. He's worked for a roofing company for a while now. And what he wants to know is, what do you think the best way to market is, uh, to go to market if you're just starting? You know, what are some things that you should think about from both, you know, maybe a sales and a marketing standpoint, if you're just getting into the game? Well, if you're just getting in, um, I'm going to have to make some assumptions because I'm not sure Greg's background the majority of roofing companies open up starting out doing small residential or small and light, you know, very small commercial, uh, which is the way to do it. Totally agree to that. You start out small, less chance of getting hurt, less chance of not getting paid, all the stuff we're talking about. So really in the very beginning, now you're a little bit different than it used to be. Utilize Facebook, utilize, you know, probably LinkedIn's okay to do at the very beginning, but Facebook is absolutely your friend when it comes to a digital marketing for starting a business out, you know, you can make your page look professional and you got to have a web page. A lot of people make that mistake when they start out. Uh, web page may not necessarily be your sales tool, but I will guarantee you that every new customer that you approach or talk to or is recommended to you will expect to go to a website to check you out before they return your call. So take, and it's not very expensive. You can get websites done fairly cheap. It doesn't have to be a hundred pages long. Just have something professional done up, you know, good graphics and, uh, and how to contact you. Um, right now, the door-to-door -door is out. So I think if you're starting out, uh, look into using technology more. Um, talk to your customers about doing FaceTime calls to review the proposals. Uh, put yourself ahead of the pack. It's not that hard uh, to do. And I think it'll pay off in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And the other key thing is reviews, you know. Pay attention to your reputation online, the Google, Yelp, 
Um, you know, any place like that, make sure that you're managing your, your reputation, not only seeking out, you know, five stars, but in the event you get something bad, make sure you respond appropriately from a customer service standpoint and not necessarily from, you know, a, a, a negative adversarial standpoint. Right. Word so, of mouth, right? You, you know that trend. Anytime you do anything, word of mouth your friend or your enemy. Right, right. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, if you have any questions for us, you can reach me at tcotney at cotneycl.com. John, how can I get you? Uh, that's jkenny at cotneycl.com as well. And also real quick to Greg, and we can help him out. I'll uh, be happy to send him a copy of my book. There you go. Yeah, don't forget John's book. John, when's that book coming out? It is in final printing right now. We expect to have it hot off the presses in about two weeks. Good, good. Well, I know everybody's looking forward to that. And yeah, if you're interested in, in getting an advanced copy, give us, you know, hit us up, let us know. We'll, we'll be happy to uh, see what we can do for you. So as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Stay tuned uh, next week for another Law & Mortar. Thank you. Take care.